This podcast is hosted by R Double P. If you are easily spooked, creeped, or offended, this might not be the podcast for you. Welcome back, Fridgies. Welcome back. I'm Gemma. And I'm Lana. And this is I Think My Fridge is Haunted, a very mm. creepy podcast for very creepy people. Yeah. All you creepy people out there. Um, uh, I feel like we haven't been in here in ages. I know. It does feel like, I feel like out of practice already. Yeah, yeah. It's only been like two weeks. It's a, But in those two weeks, how much has happened? So much has happened. So much has happened, not only to us, but everyone around us. Everyone's talking Melbourne. about the well. The, I am incredibly proud of the well. Everyone messaged us. They were like, oh, my God, the well. I know. Weird fact. Yeah. It's Weird. A, it was cool. It was Long. cool. <laughs> I had a friend that said I wanted it to be real. Yeah, I know. I know. And when I was telling it, I was like, ah, it's coming. It's coming. i got to tell them it's not real. Yeah, I know. Until it devastated. It's real. Oh, God. Do I want it to be real, really? I don't want it to be real. I kind of do, though. Like, I kind of wish it just remained a mystery. That's what I wanted. Yeah. I didn't want the answer. When I found it, I was like, oh, like, damn. (laughs) And I also didn't want people to go, well, actually, I found the answer. Didn't want that either. Yeah. You've got to claim it. (laughs) That's right. I have to claim it. Yeah. There has been a lot going on. Yeah. You know what? Melbourne is... A bit weird at the moment. It's a bit weird. I don't know if Mercury is in Gatorade or, or whatever it is. I heard there's a Virgo new moon. I don't know what that means, but Ooh. there is a lot happening. Um, I think the planets are just basically doing the nut bush. Yeah. <laughs> the planets are all, just all over the place. Are you ready? <laughs> Tina. T- oh, it's because of Tina. Mm. Tina's up there having a good time. That's why. Yeah. Causing us pain. If you don't know, if you are from overseas and you don't really know what's happening in Melbourne, just very quickly, just to recap what's going on. um, There was an unfortunate massive car crash in the CBD of Melbourne, Mm. um, which has been done by like the, they found the perpetrator because he sat on the roof of his car, waited to like get arrested. Really? Yeah. Like. Did, okay, so did he, he run into the people that were at the tram stop, right? Yes. Killed one street. person. Mm-hmm. And then what, he just pulled over or he drove around the block and had to think first from, or what? Yeah, from what I could tell, um, I saw like the, the news had a map because that's what they do. Came down, I think it was Elizabeth, and then turned on to Burke. Well, Burke Street Mall is trams. Right. So people know. And you're not allowed to drive down there. They even mm. put in bollards because of another incident a few years ago. Which, who can forget? Exactly. Yes. Mm. And he drove on the tram tracks and at, at like really insane speeds, hit three people that were just crossing the street. I think he kind of like skidded to a stop once he hit these other cars that mm. were coming on and um, got out of his car and sat on the roof and just waited to be arrested. My God. Yeah. yeah he, it's, they like ruled out terrorism, said that he was known to the police um, through, I think it was like mental health things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was so bizarre watching, like they didn't have the crash footage, of course, thank mm. goodness, but um, it was just him sitting on top and the police just apprehend him and he's like not resisting at all. Wow. Yeah, it's really sad. 
Um, I wonder if there's any, you know, substances involved, that sort of thing. Well, that's it. And again, it's one of those tight-lipped things. It was kind of like, this happened and it's awful. Um, Was that the guy that they didn't release his name in all the articles? Uh, I, I didn't see it personally. I didn't really hear it. It could be released, but I don't think it is. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, I, I think pretty sure it was this case where yeah they weren't they weren't releasing the name of the of the perpetrator. Yeah, which um, I don't know if it's because they were underage well, or yeah. maybe they're like a celebrity's child or something. Mm. I don't know. I mean, like with everything we've been talking about previously at the moment and how the media can mess up cases, maybe they're starting to go. All right, no. Yeah, this thing Take happened. We're not having another mushroom death situation. <laughs> Lock yes. this down. Everybody shut up. Speaking of our favourite EPAT and mushrooms, oh, my God. They're like, I won't get into it too much. There's only – the only updates that I could find is that – Just so you know, just for no one – if you've not listened to episode one and two oh of season gosh. six, EPAT is Erin Patterson, mm-hmm. the – Main suspect. Person of interest uh, in oh the mushroom yeah. deaths of July 29. Yeah, if you'd like to catch up, please do that. Mm. Um, but basically they did have the uh, memorial – uh, for Donna and Gail, of which Simon spoke mm. publicly, I of saw course. The photos. Yeah, yeah. Erin um, did not attend, which I'm like, good move, I suppose, girl. I mean, she would have brought an army of media with her. It would have been yeah. a circus, exactly. And that's not what it's about. And I'm luckily she knows that it seems, or, or someone's told her it. Well, that's it. The only. Um, things about her is that she's seen her lawyers like three times in the CBD and she's been told to not talk to the media. I wonder where she is. Apparently that's all anyone's seen her is just in the CBD for the lawyers. So she's, she's central. Yeah. Yeah. I reckon she's like staying close by. Yeah. Just in case. I guess they've probably got her put up in a hotel or something and the hotel's just been told, look, shut up. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 NDAs. Lots of right. lots of NDAs. Yeah. Yeah. And finally in Melbourne's news, uh, two sons of a late crime boss, uh, Gavin Capable Preston and Ab- uh, Abbas AJ Magni, uh, were shot up in a Keylor cafe in broad daylight. I saw the video of this and it's pretty disturbing. I mean, people are literally just sitting, eating brunch, yep. just outside enjoying the springtime a melbourne pastime yeah we love brunch in melbourne yeah and then literally just people just get shot and and other diners at the cafe just jump to the ground don't they yeah yeah um uh, two gunmen jump out fire at these two at, yeah was it 10 20 a.m in broad the daylight. middle of the day yep and uh yeah i guess they did what they wanted to but like it seems so bizarre. Like, that just seems like it doesn't happen anymore. So who is their... So these two guys are brothers? Yes. So the late crime boss is uh, Nabil Magni, which I was not familiar is with. Is that the guy called Capable? Uh, no, so that's the dad. Okay, so, so where's the dad? He's dead. So is he the guy that got shot at the cafe? No, no. So the two sons are... So Gavin and Abbas. Right. They were the guys at the cafe. They were shot and they are sons of... Capable. Uh, no, no, no. Gavin Capable Preston is one of the sons. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Abbas AJ Magni. So it says it's two sons. So I thought only one guy got shot. But it's, maybe the yeah. two sons were there but one got shot. 
Yeah, I reckon only one died. I think that's Gavin. Uh, Preston died at the scenes while uh, Magni suffered serious injuries. Wow. There you go. Um, it'll be really interesting to see what the on, what, what, what the prior, um, the, the history. The build-up. What's the build-up What's to the build-up? Why did that happen? And how far will it go? Because we know in our underworld, these feuds go for years. Yeah, exactly. And it's... It just goes on and on. You take one of my family, I take one of your family, and it just goes on and on and on. Yeah, very, very familiar tale that we've uh, discussed recently. Yeah, it's yeah. Like an eye for an eye. Yeah, it's like cut just enough. Enough. Yeah. Like, yeah. So Melbourne has been quite wild lately. Yeah, a little bit wild. Uh, yeah. So hopefully it was Ugh. just like. Mercury was in the microwave and we're done. I I read a fun news item. Um, yes, please. From New Zealand. Uh, it's from the Nine News on September 5th. A surgical tool the size of a dinner plate was left in a woman's abdomen for 18 months following a cesarean section at Auckland City Hospital. What? Uh, so you- basically... <laughs> Following the C-section in 2020, the woman in her 20s went to her GP several times after experiencing severe pains in her abdomen. After visiting the emergency department at Auckland Hospital, the instrument was discovered using an abdominal CT scan. And what the instrument was, it was called an Alexis wound retractor or an AWR which is about the size of a dinner plate and used for holding open a surgical wound. Yes, right. And this is weird. They can't be detected on x-ray. What? What? What is it made of? It's, I saw a picture of it. It looks like plastic. Like it, it, It's like a plastic kind of like... It's like a retractable tube. Right. You know, like those those tunnels that cats can run through? <laughs> yes. It's a little bit like that. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, anyway, so um, the, the bit that I found bizarre was um, the commission was told the process for ensuring su- surgical tools are accounted for following surgery is set out in their count policy. But at that time of the surgery, AWRs were not included in this process. So basically you're going in, you're going, okay, are the intestines there? Yep. Heart, cool, liver. Yep. couple Checklist. of kidneys, great. Um, are there any scalpels in there? No. Uh, how about um band aids? All the band no band aids. Everything's yeah, taken no, out. No, no scissors. Okay, we're good. No, except for this dinner plate plastic thing. How do you miss that? How? Who? Uh, wait, who's the people responsible for this as well? Are they like super fired now? Um. So, disability commissioner Morag McDowell found that Auckland's Auckland District Health Board, which is now known as I'm really sorry, New Zealand people. The Tewatu Ora Titoka Tumai, Auckland, breached the patient's rights after a surgical instrument was left inside of her following a procedure. So her her rights have been breached. They've established this. Yeah. Um, and I believe the patient also got a sincere apology from those that were in the room at the time. Yeah, like written or like money? I think it was just written. <laughs> ah, right, right, right. <laughs> I don't know. I'd be uh, I'd be asking for a little compensation if that was happening. Like, ah, oh, could you like if you pressed on your stomach, wouldn't you be able to like feel, feel like it? a circle or yeah, like, like a 
Like, hmm, that's plastic inside of me. I don't think that's right. And how gross would you feel? Oh, you might, like, awful. Like, remember when we talked about Terry Lovelace and he had the microchip in his leg and he wanted someone to take it out and they're like, ooh, no, it's too risky. You might get an infection. He's like, I don't want this thing in my body. Yeah, I was thinking, actually, (laughs) every time, like, you mentioned that I thought about it I could like you know when you get phantom feelings like you know mm. when you think about creepy crawlies so sorry everyone so sorry yep. but I uh, like you mentioned the the metal in the knee and I was like huh don't want it Ugh. there like yuck and, and a dinner plate size 18 months wild that's too much wild and weird too much speaking of wild and weird have you got a fact for this week or a I sure do. Woohoo! Facts from the freezer. Facts from the freezer. <laughs> okay, so I wanted to find something that was kind of like, oh, look, no one's going to beat the well, obvs. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've like already set us up for failure now. Yeah. I can't do that. You've set the standard so high, <laughs> you literally cannot get over that jump. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Need to immerse you in the, in the well. <laughs> so... The Devil's Tramping Ground is a camping spot located in a forest near the Harper's Crossroad area in Bear Creek, North Carolina. And it looks like a ring of bare dirt and it measures about 40 feet across and it's just surrounded by trees. The locals believe that nothing has grown within this area of dirt for over 100 years. And they believe that the devil tramps around in a circle, leaving the ground barren. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sometimes strange lights are seen in this area, as well as shadow people among the trees. Even stranger, sometimes objects left there overnight disappear. Furthermore, dogs bark and howl and don't want to go near it. And birds will not nest near it. Oh, my God. Random. That is, yeah. What's with like camping grounds that are called devils something? Right, like, right. <laughs> um, and for our goth friends, um, this place, the Devil Stamping Ground, is mentioned in two novels by Poppy Z. Bright. Um, one of which I have read, Lost Souls, and it's also uh, featured in Drawing Blood as well, which both take place in Missing Mile, which is a fish- fictional town in North Carolina. Oh my God. I yep. wonder how many goths and- go there and they're just like, yes. Yeah. We're waiting for the We've devil. Made it. Waiting for him. <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome! Thank you. Yeah. Where's your laptop? It's not here. Oh, I'm going old school. Whoa, a book. Yeah, I know. I've got my paper. I was like, if I don't need to bring that thing. Okay, I'm ready to outdo the well. Are you ready for another audio-based fact? Yes. Oh my god, awesome. Okay, did you know that there is allegedly a haunted radio station? Uh, yes, we're in it. We're in it right now. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> um, now I say haunted in parentheses. Oh, I'm no, so ours doesn't quotes. have parentheses. No, no, no. There's, actually a, haunted. there's a ghost on the wall right now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there's a picture of a ghost coming out of a pink fridge. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, she's here. <laughs> so just for a little bit of context, uh, a number station is a shortwave radio station that transmits encrypted messages sent in numbers. The numbers are sent on a predetermined frequency using various media such as automated voices, Morse or digital code. I've heard of this. Mm. I think. 
you might have quite literally heard of this as well. So this number station uh, named UVB76 or commonly known as the buzzer was uh, was first reported broadcasting in the 1970s with no confirmed date. It runs 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It broadcasts on a frequency of uh, 4625 hertz, uh, although it changes frequencies many times throughout its history. Like there is a huge list of different frequencies it jumps on. And I don't know enough about radio to understand what that means. So does that mean like if you turn the dial, like sometimes it can be at like 76.3 and sometimes it can be at like... 107.8. Yeah, I reckon. So it's changing. So it jumps around. Yeah, and it's the same thing because once you hear it... I, yeah, mm. I I think I've heard this. Yeah. So the mysterious number station constantly broadcasts a dull monotone sound that is interrupted uh, every few seconds uh, by a second sound that resembles a ghostly ship that sounds like a foghorn. Uh, Every one to two weeks, a man or woman reads out an encoded message. The first known voice message was in 1997. So So about 20 years after it's been going. Yeah. 24 hours, this sound, and then all of a sudden, there was a voice. Okay. Mm -hmm. Are there, like, geeks monitoring this? I actually found this information on a website. It's called... uh, Premium or P-R-I-Y-O-M.org. It's the World Radio Number Research. There are people tracking this stuff and they have a whole list of like <laughs> dates and you times. You movie signs. Why can't they get girlfriends? They're <laughs> <laughs> too busy getting very important information for me right now. Because they're nerds. <laughs> but like they have all the dates and exactly what happened and when. And I just, I was like, oh, this is some real nerd shit. Like yes. I love this. Yeah, that is hardcore. And I was like, oh, such nerds. And then I was like, Oh, I'm the one looking this yeah, But <laughs> who's the one uh, talking about it on a podcast? That is it. That is it. Um, oh, while there has been uh, many seemingly deliberate voice messages, uh, there has been recordings of what seems to be the microphone left on. Oh. Just people talking in the background, so just having a conversation, not like we are right now talking into a microphone. It just seems like the microphone's just been left on and they're right. just chatting about the weather or oh, yeah, yeah. whatever they're talking Do about. You know what time Woolworths closes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Willies, Willies? Uh, <laughs> um, the continuous buzzer noise uh, seems to... Uh, Seems to be on constantly to stop other broadcasts on the same frequency. So they always have that airspace. So they need to do their messages. They've always got that airspace. What are the messages? Well, that's it. It was like... It's it's not 100%. It wasn't 100% known because no one claimed to own this radio station. It was... Um, what was it? It's like the Area 51 of radio stations. It is. It really is. The purposes of the station had not been confirmed by the government or broadcast officials uh, for years of it running. The frequency was thought to belong to a Russian military. Of course. Classic. Uh, Tracking the signal revealed that the transmission was coming from either St. Petersburg and another site in Moscow, Russia. Where can you hear this? Like all around the world or can you only hear it like... So, on YouTube, there is a live broadcast of the buzzer. 
Um, so, like, strangely, it, the radio station was found to increase its activity after the Soviet Union collapsed. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just let's just have a listen. You want to hear what it sounds yeah, like? And this is live, <laughs> yeah, okay. live, coming to you live. And they can't sue us because then they'd be identifying themselves. Exactly. Okay. Have we caught a, a voice frequency? Oh. I feel like I can hear something in the background. So, it doesn't usually sound like that. Oh, really? Yeah. Let me... What does... Is that the one and it just sounds like there's just a voice that says, like, seven, two... Vibe. You're giving me like such lost vibes right now, but no, I know what you're talking about. It's not that one, so I just want the sound. It's so strange that it's not doing the thing that you sound. want it to do. Yeah, I love it. Um, the buzzer. Oh, okay, sorry. So that's what it does. I love that. That's all it does, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, um, until every now and then a sound comes through. Or just that sound we, like, just then. I can't believe that it's not happening right now. How wild is that? It's like it's taking wow. a break to do yeah, a yeah, voice yeah, transition. Yeah. <gasps> that's awesome. I wonder if you can pick anything up through EVP, like Ooh. if you recorded the recording. Yeah, I'm so sure people would have done it. Mm. Because that's a live video on YouTube, there are people commenting right now. Yeah, and there could be like layers of layers of layers of sound. Yeah. I think there's something embedded in there. I reckon because it's got like um, Morse and digital code involved with it, it, it's been known to have like Morse code put through it, obviously. I reckon there's heaps of things going on in there. Um, and that's why they're doing it all the time. So if you get told to, you know, tune into this broadcast, it'll be telling you something and you go, yeah, all right. And you keep on that thing. But right. um, it was later revealed, and I couldn't find the date for this exactly, that it is a Russian military command network for the Western Military District. So it's not fake. It is real. It is real. And it's for the Russian military commandment. Huh. Isn't that weird? And I don't know, and we're not going to get into it, but I don't think this doesn't have to do what's happening with Ukraine. This is something I think different, but it is just another part of their insane, huge country. That is so weird. I want to start incorporating that sound in the podcast, like, yeah. like for breaks and stuff. <gasps> That's a great idea. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. So I'm going to lovingly call these audio facts. What the fuck, Russia? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I keep finding these weird audio things that are all connected to Russia. It's always Russia. It's always bloody Russia. I don't want to say that too loud, though. I don't want to say that too loud. Okay. Just one more thing before we go to our story. Let's go to a promo from our friends over at PNW Haunts and Homicides. Hey, creepy people. 
This is PNW Haunts and Homicides. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Cassie. Together, we explore stories of the paranormal and true crime throughout the Pacific Northwest. For each episode, we do a tarot reading to help us gain some insight on the topic as we share the facts of the case and our interpretations. You can find our episodes featuring true stories from infamous cases such as the misdeeds of Boeing, as well as lesser-known true crime cases like the murders in Tunnel 13 as well as our spooky stories from Pike Place and Raven's Manor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you'd like to listen. Have Have a a creepy-ass day. And we're back. Sorry, that was exactly what you said. I was like waiting for the drinking. We're drinking a tea out of little vintage teacups at the moment. Yes, yes. You can feel the... It sounded like a good idea, but... um, no, no. You can hear every time you put the, the cup down. It's just ASMR. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, welcome. We're going to drink some tea and... Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Now let's tell a story. I'm so refreshed. Can you feel the erratic energy from <laughs> going on today? <laughs> tell me a story. All right. I'm just going to tell you a story. Please do. My sources for today are the documentary... Well, I don't want to tell you what it's called. <laughs> So, okay, so the other sources are all that's interesting, strangeencounters.co.uk, Monster and Athenaeum, Time Out, To Contrive and Drive and Jive.wordpress.com, smalltownmyths.com, Wikipedia, Wisconsin Frights, Walworth County Community News, Milwaukee Magazine, and a documentary called The Bray Road Beast. Oh by my Seth God. Breedlove. Oh my God. Yeah, we're doing encrypted. Weehee! On the rainy night of Halloween 1991, 18-year-old Doris Gibson, a senior in high school, was driving down Bray Road when she describes hearing a muffled thump lifting up one of her right side tyres off the road. And she thinks she's hit an animal, so she stops the car and gets out to see what it was. But she can't find any evidence that she's run over anything. But just down the road, she sees a huge creature that looked like a werewolf. She said, I saw this thing. I don't know what it was, but it was big. It's bigger than a dog, bigger than a man, and it's standing on two legs. She runs back to the car, and as she's running away, she can hear the thing running behind her, chasing her. Oh, my God. She manages to get in the car and start it up, and as she's speeding off, the creature jumps into the back of her car. Well, not into, sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, like, open the door. I was like, hello. No, no, no. It's like a velociraptor. <laughs> yeah. It jumps onto the back of her car, like Ooh. the T-1000. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's, like, worse? So, like, the Terminator. Yeah, that's actually worse. <laughs> it jumps onto the back of her car, but because it's raining, it slides off. She speeds home, and when she gets there, she realises the thing has left two sets of sharp claw marks down the back of the car. Doris Gibson has encountered what is now infamously known within Wisconsin as the Beast of Bray Road. Oh, my God. Ah, ah, I can't believe it left claw marks. and mm. every. I'd go straight to the police. I'd be like, meow, meow. I wouldn't go home. Well... Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I suppose if you're scared, it's different. You're scared and people are going to think that you're crazy. Oh, yeah, true. That's the thing. So this story takes place in the town of Elkhorn, population about 10,000. It's situated in Walworth County in Wisconsin. 
It's a small conservative town which was once featured in a series of Christmas paintings for its festive snow-covered town centre during the holiday season. Mm. So nice. Lovely. In 1836, one Colonel Samuel Phoenix saw a rack of elk antlers in a tree and declared that the town would henceforth be called... Elkhorn. Ah, oh, very good. <laughs> very good. And the native people are like, dude, we've had a name for this place for like yeah, 5,000 years. And they're also like, like seriously? <laughs> Elkhorn? Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Later in the 19th century, a spring located in the town was thought to be a cure for rheumatism. Oh, okay. Just outside of town is a country road that travels through sprawling farmlands. It's a quiet, unassuming road that has gained notoriety for something dark and scary. Mm. Bray Road is surrounded by fields and swampland and is home to fifth-generation farmers who all know each other. Uh, the road is really quite out of the way, so it's really only used by locals. There are highways surrounding it, so if you're from out of town, you're going to use the highway. You're not going to use Bray Road. Yeah, you don't know about them. No. The Bray family moved into the area in the 1890s and settled their farmlands on the road, which would soon bear their name. The area was thought to be a crossroads for Native American people years previous, and uh, there is a structure that indicates that it may have been some kind of trading station at some point. The area and surrounding states are known for many sightings of creatures known as dogmen. Hmm? And the Beast of Bray Road seems to be closely related to such a cryptid. Mm, Sounds so like. There's actually loads of dogmen stories. I feel like there is like heaps of like famous ones, but also just sightings. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. And I feel like every sort of northern sort of state in the US seems to have a dogman. Yeah, thick legend. forest, like middle of the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Often described as being a bipedal, fur-covered creature with human-like hands, often larger than a man with long claws and the head of a German shepherd, sightings of this strange animal were once kept under the cover of secrecy for fear of ridicule. But now, stories of the Bray Road Beast are numerous among locals. Sightings are even thought to go back as far as the 1930s. In 1936, 36-year-old Mark Shackleman worked as a night watchman at the St. Coletta School for Exceptional Children. He worked the night shift and arrived for work one evening shortly before midnight. It was his job just to walk the grounds all night and keep watch for any trespassers. What a sweet gig. (laughs) (laughs) And it's quite a big place as well. Like, it used to be like... A Franciscan monastery and it had all these different buildings and all these different fields and stables and things like that. So he just walks around at night. Yeah. I guess it would be quite boring though. I kind of – yeah, I I suppose it would get boring. And like what do these children do to get into this school? Are they just really smart? The school is kind of not really part of the story beyond that. Oh, there you go. I guess – I think I focused on that because I was like, wow, it sounds like X-Men. I know. So, (laughs) yeah, that's like this whole other part of the story. The X-Men live there. The X-Men live there. He walks around and makes sure that no one gets in. (laughs) So he worked the night shift and he arrived for work one evening shortly before midnight. 
The school was situated inside an old Franciscan convent and the grounds were quite large. There were even some Native American burial mounds there. So this one night, Shackleman is crossing the grounds and he sees a dark silhouette. It seemed to be a large dog digging on one of the burial mounds. Although it seemed to be too big for a wolf. Mm. And anyway, like I, I'm pretty sure. Oh no, no! At that time, I did read that wolves had been eradicated from that area by like the 50s or something. So because Ooh. of all the farms, like you know, farmers wanted them gone, so they would shoot them. Yeah. So even more strange to like. But this is in 1936, so there probably uh, would have been some wolves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was really big. Yes. Yes. So it looks at him, and then it stands up on its hind feet, growling. It stood over six feet tall and was covered in fur. It seemed to have a dog's face but a man's body and it stinks like rotten meat. Ugh, right. Shackleman steps backward and the creature runs off into the darkness to the cover of trees. God. The next night, Shackleman goes to work at St. Coletta once again. At the same burial mound, he once again sees the creature digging. It stands up and growls again before running once again into the forest and he never sees it again. Never again? Never again. There we go. There is one part of the story that he claims that it said a word to him and I can't remember what the word was because I just didn't... It it seemed too, like, incredible. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he believed it was a word from the Bible. (sighs) Of course. (laughs) So some stories mention that bit, some don't. Yeah. So what happened next? Sightings after the one in 1936 seem to stop for some years until rumours come out in the 1960s and 70s of dogman encounters. But the first modern experience that sparked a string of regular sightings was that of Doris Gibson on Halloween night in 1991. And from there, the sightings continued. Some people even claim to have seen the creature in the daytime chasing deer through the fields. But this sighting came even earlier than those. One night, around 1.30am in the autumn of 1989, so two, two years, pretty yeah. much to the, to the season. To the season, yes. A young mum named Laurie Andrizi, who was a bar manager told journalist, quote, I was driving home one night on Bray Road and I saw this thing on the side of the road. As I came, came up to it in my car, its back was to me. So I saw it had ears and the whole bit. It was kneeling. Its elbows were up and its claws were facing out so I knew it had claws. I remember the long claws and it was eating roadkill or something. And as I drove by and I saw all this, it looked right at me and didn't run. It didn't get spooked or anything. Horrifying. She also says, and it had like glowing eyes, which probably were a reflection of my headlights. So there was eye shine, like Mm -hmm. what they sometimes say with Bigfoot. It was right on Bray Road, right before the Bray Farm on the curve. He was brownish grey He had big teeth and fangs and he looked at me. He turned his head to look at me. It was about the size of an average man, five foot seven maybe, about 150 pounds. So it's kind of skinny actually. Yeah, I'm imagining like 
skinny, skeletal, like long matted hair, like a little bit wraith like. Yeah, yeah. It was holding the thing it was eating palms up with the real long claws and the pointed ears. He had a big long nose and a long chin. This happened to me two years ago. I don't take Bray Road in the dark anymore. Unquote. Wow. That affected her that much. I mean, if you saw something like that, yeah. I wouldn't be going to that know. road too. I'm, would I go back? I'd go back mm. with other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Hmm. Other people, I think at least like one other person, because I, I feel like you can jinx it. You know how you're like, come look at this. And then everyone gets there and you're like, it's not here. I swear it was here. It was here. Yeah, yeah. So Laurie spent some time at the library looking at pictures of wolves and she could not find an image that matched what she saw. So she went to see John Fredrickson, who was in the Department of Animal Welfare, and they discussed ideas of what it may have been, such as a wolf or a bear. But listen to this. Mm. John suggests that if it's not something from nature, it could be something supernatural. As they're discussing this... There's a row of books on the shelf behind John's desk and the books start falling off the <gasps> shelf. No. Right? My God, this is some horror movie shit. Like, I think there has been a B-grade movie made about this. Yeah, it's, it's like, <laughs> sounds too From perfect. like 2004 or something like that. But this is like, this is their interaction. Like this is happening during their interaction. Wow, yeah. there you go. Yeah. As soon as he says, look, it might be supernatural, books. Mm. You said the word, you said the word. (laughs) Some years later, in a follow-up interview, Laurie said, to this day, I believe it was satanic. Of course. Mm. So John was no stranger to weird things happening in the area. In the late 80s and early 90s, there were claims of devil worship and satanic cults carrying out animal mutilations the aftermath of which he was witness to. So he would get called out to um, people say, look, I've got a cow that's been mutilated. I've got, you know, cats, dogs, whatever. Yep. Uh, Local law enforcement was well aware of rituals and gatherings happening in the woods during that time. So there was a whole satanic panic thing happening in this Wisconsin town. I was literally just thinking, I'm like, this is prime satanic panic time. Whether or not this was just rumour or whether it was just like teenagers, you know. People jumping on the bandwagon. Look, it could have been just teenagers practising Wicca. Yeah, yeah. And the animal mutilations could have just been aliens. Obviously. They're the only people that do that. I mean, obviously. (laughs) Those are the only options, I believe. Right. (laughs) So let's introduce a really important character in this story. Uh, writer Linda Godfrey, she's a writer for the local paper, the Walworth County Week, and she starts hearing stories about this beast. She even hears a story told to her by her son about a wolfman-like thing his friends said that they saw while they were out snow sledding. Her son tells her the friend was genuinely scared out of his mind and that he wasn't making it up. He just wasn't a kid that got that scared. Linda also pays a visit to the office of John Fredrickson and she wants to get his opinion and to her surprise he pulls out a file that he's been keeping on the case and it's labelled with the word werewolf. I was about to say, I'm like, John's getting a lot of calls. Yeah, so she's like, have you heard about this weird dog man thing? And he's like, 
Have I? <laughs> Have I? <laughs> Where do I begin? <laughs> so Linda thinks if a person in council has a file on this, she should be looking into this story. Mm. She also speaks to members of the local Native American tribes who told her that they believed that the beasts had been around for a very long time before people and that they came from the spirit world. I see, I see. So Walworth County Week asked her to follow the case and to write an article about it. And her article, which is called Tracking Down the Beast of Bray Road, comes out on December 29th, 1991. So a couple of months after uh, the girl saw it on Bray Road. Yes, yes. The article states in part, the logical place to start was the county humane officer, John Fredrickson, It turned out Fredrickson has a manila folder in his files marked werewolf, filled with note cards detailing six or seven such sightings. One referred to unusual tracks, another to a hairy, pointy-eared creature seen chasing down a deer on two legs. Another described a Burger King employee who saw a man-like creature running in mid-November The employee allegedly said he could not believe what a fast and powerful runner the thing was. Fredrickson's best guess is that the mysterious beast is actually a coyote or even a wolf, both of which have been unofficially reported in the area. But it doesn't explain why they're running on two legs. Yeah, the standing up bit. Yeah. Like... It just doesn't seem right for either of those creatures. I don't think it's even physiologically possible. Well, yeah, yeah. It, like, because they're too too chest heavy, like, and the hips don't go that way. Like, yeah. 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 The mm. hips sort of don't go back that far. Moving that way. So, the local and national response. According to a 2005 Time Out article entitled Werewolves in, of Elkhorn, A recap of Godfrey's original story moved on to the Associated Press Wire in January 1992, so really shortly after her uh, article comes out. And soon werewolves become all the rage Uh, in Elkhorn. TV and radio stations from Milwaukee, Chicago, Baltimore and elsewhere pounced on the story um, and a lot of them came sort of not with serious intentions. They were just like, ha, werewolf. Let's get a few yeah. sound bites, you know. Isn't this a good story? Ha, yeah. ha, ha. Yeah, like, <laughs> like howling the f- at the moon. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> One radio station in San Francisco called Godfrey and asked her, her to howl, which <laughs> she did not do. An enterprising Illinois watering hole aggravated already strained Wisconsin-Illinois relations. So I guess... Um, like Wisconsin and Illinois have kind of a rivalry. Yeah, I don't really know. Is there a beef going on there? Yeah. By running werewolf bus tours to Bray Road, oh complete with silver bullet specials. What? So they're <laughs> running with this, pun intended. Like, they are really, like, <laughs> yeah, taking the story. I mean, even the police were like, uh, should we be stocking silver bullets now, you know, in our guns? Like, a lot of people thought it was a big joke. Yeah, yeah. Like, I... <laughs> I get it, but also, you know, there's a lot of people coming forward going, yeah, I saw it too. And yeah. regardless of what it is, like, they saw something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, but a lot of people kept it to themselves. They're like, I don't want to be seen as one of these nut cases. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. 
Members of the Bray family, who actually lived on Bray Road, had a tough time from the popularity of the story because cryptid hunters and journalists kept coming up the road where it was normally quiet. Like, normally not a lot of people, just the locals came up there. Yeah, it's your home as well. Yeah, now yeah. there's all these people, tourists. Yeah. Oh. Going, what's going on? So, let's talk about some other sightings. A man named Lee Hampel, a retired physics teacher, well, he moved to Bray Road and he bought a farm there. And he was cutting hay one day in September 2013 and he had so much stuff to do that he, he went and he asked some of the other farmers, like, can you help me with some hay? And they're like, yeah, cool. So they're helping him with the hay and one of them says, look, do you know that the beast of Bray Road lives on your farm? <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, uh, what? And then one of the guys is like, yeah, I, I, my wife saw it there. And um, some of the other farmers, they've seen it. Yeah, yeah, oh totally it lives there. Can you imagine telling someone that? Hey, there's a beast on your farm, just yeah, so you it's know. There's a werewolf. Um, you might want to leave it a burger, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. and a Coke. A burger and a Coke out for the werewolf. Just a six case. pack. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't know what he wants. Who knows? <laughs> Uh, they said that one of the farmers had seen her eating a raccoon. So one day Lee finds a dead raccoon. So he puts it out in the back paddock. And two days later, he finds the raccoon cut open from under its chin down to like its belly. And its intestines were taken out and laid next to it. Oh, like Jack the Ripper did. Yeah. Very like, like just one incision wow yes and just like very surgical yeah i'm just gonna say it aliens are obviously involved gotta see what's inside those raccoons yeah he started to regularly leave roadkill out for the beast and and he he kind of this becomes like his thing like over the next few years and he he set up some cameras which often caught straight strange lights so it was a camera that took kind of like incremental photos. Yes. So it wasn't a video. It just took like photos, say, every 30 seconds or something. Yeah, yeah. So he left this deer out. And in one of the photos, the deer is there. And in, then in the next few frames, all you can see is like this really thick white mist. Oh. Yeah. It was really, really weird. Did you see how, like, wide my eyes got? I was like, is it going to be gone? Oh, my God. No, mist over the top of it. Mist. Mm. Yeah. And then the carcass is missing. (gasps) Oh, my God. I always do this. I need to wait. I've just got to (laughs) wait. And he's also seen tracks on his farm. Um, He's gone to universities to find answers. No one can tell him what the tracks belong to. He's like... The research continues. Okay, more in the file. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's a sighting that's debated to be the Beast of Bray Road. And this is a good example of, like, there's dog men all over the north of America. It happens some way north of Bray Road in a different county. So it's not a great deal. Like, it's not really far away. It's Mm -hmm. just outside of the county. So this encounter has been surmised to be of another small town cryptid called the Bear Wolf of Holy Hill. I think I've heard of that. The Bear Wolf of Holy Hill. Of Holy Hill. Tell yeah. me. Tell me. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just a, 
<laughs> just apply this to our locale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you get like the were cat of Frankston Danny Not yeah. Road. <laughs> yeah. The drop bear of the northern suburbs. Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like the Tazzy Devil of Greensboro. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so on the 9th of November 2006, or some sources say the 8th of November 2006. Beg your pardon. Steve Kruger was working as a contractor who cleared roadkill with his truck. Fun. And he so he would drive around at night and like people would call in and say there's a deer here there's a I was going to say kangaroo but they don't have <laughs> probably don't have kangaroos whatever you know the kangaroo <laughs> of northern america <laughs> the were kangaroo <gasps> oh my god nothing more horrifying than that <laughs> yeah that would be really bad he'd be really fast i think we just came up with a movie idea though <laughs> kangaroo kangaroo where kangaroo where 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 so um the, he said the incident happened well north of Bray Road in Washington County on Holy Hill Road. He said he pulled over to get a small deer carcass and when he put it in the back so he had like what we would call a ute. Yes. I guess I don't know what they call it in America. Like pickup truck. Like a pickup truck. It's got like a tray in the back that you yeah. can put things in. He gets he puts the deer in the in the truck. He gets back in the truck and he he's got to fill out paperwork when he picks up these creatures. Uh, and the truck shook a little and he thought it was a gust of wind, but then it shook again harder and he looked into the rearview mirror and saw a large creature reaching into the truck. It looked to be about seven feet tall and to him it looked like the head of a wolf on the body of a husky furry bear. Um, He said he thought he'd seen all the creatures in the area, but he couldn't identify this one and he was terrified. He said something really cute, like, um, it scared the dickens out of me. <laughs> that's, that's perfect. <laughs> he, um, he pulled the truck away from the side of the road, and as he did so, the creature pulled the deer off the truck, but he thinks that the deer and the legs got tangled in. He had an ATV ramp. Right. Um, and so the ATV oh, ramp yep. actually came off with the deer as well. Oh, my God. So later he had to return because he needed the ATV ramp because when he picks up really big deer, he needs it to get them into the truck. Yeah, right. But when he returned to the area later that night, he didn't see the creature again and the deer was completely gone. So the thing had either dragged it or carried it off into the woods. My God, he got like um, like a snack and a plate. He got a, like a plate for all his snacks. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, and um, you know, in case he... Um, has a bit of arthritis. He can set up the ATV ramp and he can oh. get up hills easier. Yeah, <laughs> up on his a holy hill. Yeah. <laughs> so in 2008, a man. You know, this one is, you know, it's a shaky story at best. A man known as Bill was camping with his wife, their son, and their dog in Wisconsin. He took the dog out early one morning and heard a strange, heavy breathing sound. He turned and saw a large beast walking to walk towards him on all fours. It was furry and dark brown in colour, appeared to be dog-like, and it was really muscly. 
He ran back to the campground and left with his family straight away. There's not a lot of information about that particular story. There's just, there's not. So I'm going to guess that that's probably just kind of a sighting that's turned into a rumour that's turned into, you know, everyone puts their own spin on it. I'm not sure what I saw until someone says werewolf and he's like, of course, a werewolf. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. In 2002, footage of a film supposedly taken in 1971 appeared on the internet. The footage became known as the Gable footage. It's a grainy film, of course, and it shows a family playing in the snow with snowmobiles. And at the end of the footage, a huge canine beast comes lunging at the camera. Now, online, people argued whether the footage was showing the Bray Road Beast or the Michigan Dog Man, but in the end, it didn't matter because it turned out to be a hoax. So people have hoaxed this creature. Of course. Another sighting was from a man named Ricky Sanchez, who is a local to Bray Road. In 2017, so this is really recent, he went out in the dark to change his dog dog's water bowls. And he goes out with a headlamp on his, on his head because it's, it's farmland, it's dark. Um, so he sees a sort of outline of a creature uh, and he can't make it out what it is. But he can see it's got glowing eyes. He walks slowly towards it and it walks slowly towards him and he turns up his headlamp to get a better look and it just then retreats into the trees. Oh, yuck. When it goes back into the trees, it rises up on its hind legs and it just stares at him. So he's like, okay, I'm going to get the water bowls, I'm going to go inside and then come back out. But when he comes back out, it's gone. Of course. Mm. Of course. Now, Ricky Sanchez uh, describes himself as an investigator. So I think, like, like Lee Hempel down the street, mm-hmm. I think, like, everybody's got the cameras going, everyone's, like, leaving out raccoons. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, tr- like, you know. Trying to get the, get the footage. Get yes. The, get the view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was just the beginning of the sightings on Ricky's property, though. Uh, he would see eyes in the trees looking at him at night. Sometimes there were more than one set of eyes. Um, They're everywhere. Oh yes. my God. His neighbour has also had experiences with the wolf-like beast. Getting up to work at 2am, he goes outside, because I guess farmer, of you course. know, you got to get the work done get those in the middle of the night. I don't know. in line, I don't know. <laughs> He goes outside and he's walking towards his truck and he's loading some rubbish bags into his truck and he sees this, quote, dog-like, wolf-like creature pacing back and forth, crouched down in front of his truck and it's watching him. Very exposed. Yeah. You're on the farm. It's really dark. This thing can see. Yeah, especially, like, on farmland in the dark. It feels like it just goes on forever. Mm. Like it, yeah, yeah. Mm. So it looked like he was, um, it was more crouched down rather than walking on all, all fours, if that makes any sense. Like stalking, like, like it could run. just get up on its hind legs if it wanted to, mm. and it was just crouching, just oh, yes, I see, yes, just to keep a lookout, assessing, assessing. Soon after, uh, Ricky and his dad are having a bonfire along with that neighbor. They threw water on the fire at the end of the night. And they saw the eye shine of the creature, we presume it's the same one, 
crouching down in the field watching them. It got up and ran away as if it was scared. And they think, well, should we go after it? Mm. You know, we'll see where it goes. They consider following it, but as it was early summer, the overgrown grass, it was really tall, so it would have held them up. If they had to suddenly run away, like, yeah, they, they would not have been able... It wouldn't have been clear to run. Yeah, yeah, you get lost. It, it, yeah. yeah, you're going to fall down. Yes. So Ricky... Um, decides let's just go back inside he does not believe the creature is supernatural but rather a species humans don't yet understand yeah that's interesting seems to be the thing with cryptids isn't it like one of the arguments is like what about creatures that are evolving or like hasn't evolved or but like, what about the mist what about and the, the strange mist? lights yeah and the multiple eyes i want to say mm. multiple eyes and again why don't we find their corpses? Well, that was the big, the Bigfoot it's because question. Because they go back into their portals. Because they don't, <laughs> they don't live here. They right. just hang out. They ascend back to their home. Right. Planets. It's simple. Just get a little treat of seeing them in the dark, at, in, you know, on a farm. <laughs> yeah. So after releasing the article in the local newspaper, Linda wrote a book called The Beast of Bray Road, Tailing Wisconsin's Werewolf, as well as many other books on folklore and cryptozoology, including I Know What I Saw, American Monsters, Haunted Wisconsin, and Monsters Among Us. She passed away on November 27th, 2022, so just last year, at age 71, and was mourned by members of the cryptozoology community worldwide. Of her belief in the Bray Road Beast, Linda said, I don't know what it is, I don't claim to, I just take down all the stories, and then I try to piece it together. So that's the Bray Road Beast. Wow. Well, that's part of the Bray... It's actually, like, so much more stuff happens, but, like, yeah. I've just condensed it down into a nice, neat little story. Nice little package. I really love that. So I think... I'll probably do a few of the other Dogman stories at some point. Yeah, let's do a Dogman series. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like good, like humble, like foundations. So I really like that. That's so interesting. Thank you. Thank you for telling me. <laughs> do you believe in the Bray Road Beast? You know what? I do. I mean, that girl, Laurie Andreezy, mm. she was pretty freaked out about what she saw. Yeah. And she, you know, she's she's probably the one person that cited this creature that's been interviewed the most or, or has been referenced the most. Yes. And she sticks to her story. Yeah. I mean, again, regardless of what she saw, she saw something and she seems to, like, if it's sticking with her this long. And if you live in a small town, you, you don't want to be ostracised. Yeah, exactly. Saying something like this is going to ostracise you. Well, yeah, you're not really benefit. It doesn't sound like she wants to just benefit from it either. How would you benefit from it? She, she hasn't written a book. Linda yeah. wrote the book. Yeah, exactly. She just got interviewed for it. Yeah. So. And with so many sightings as well, mm. like so many people seeing this dog man creature, like it's, the, it's standing up on the hind legs for me, like standing up like a man like that's that's not like easy to be misinterpreted if you're looking at something that's on all fours mm. and then you know stands up like that it i don't know like it just seems like regardless of what you saw and if it looks like a dog and then st yeah anyway <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe that's what i'm trying to say 
Yeah, so I just thought that was a really cool story, and I do love a cryptid. Oh, I love a cryptid. Look, they just fascinate me. There's so much out there we don't know about. I'm, I'm believing. I'm on board. I want to see something I weird. Want, I want to believe. I want to see something weird, but not too weird. Yeah. Like something that makes me fascinated, but not traumatized. Yes, absolutely. Just going to manifest that. Yeah. Fascinating, but not traumatizing, please. Maybe we'll have to talk about like paranormal experiences at some point. 100%. I would love to. I've got a great story from one of the paranormal experiences I've had. Right. So maybe we should talk about that at some point. That's a really good idea. I don't know about cryptids. I did used to live in a farm. I didn't, I don't know if I saw any like necessarily cryptids, although Australia does have a lot of weird (laughs) creatures. So I might have seen something and be like, oh yeah, that's just Australia. The regular ones are weird. Yeah, I know. No, weird. They all look weird. weird. <laughs> oh, Australia. Oh, my God. Well, until then, tell us what you think. I want to hear your cryptid stories. Have you ever seen a cryptid? Have you ever had a paranormal experience? Mm-hmm. We want to know. Yeah, I, I want to hear. Yeah, jump wanna, in. Yeah. And you know what? I don't know why people are not writing to us because I'll tell you what. I go to burlesque shows and every drunk person is freaking... <laughs> They're cornering me with their stories. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Where you going? I saw a ghost once. Yeah, there was this one time. Yeah, and they're telling me all these rad ghost stories, and I'm like, come on the podcast. Well, come on over and tell us. Yes. Write it on our socials. Send us a review, something, because we want to share it with everyone. Oh, and thanks to all the people that have um, reviewed uh, us <gasps> online as well. We have noticed that there's been a few extra reviews lately yes. and five-star reviews and things like that. Thank so you. thank you so much. We really, really appreciate it. Check out our socials. We're on Instagram, I Think My Fridge Is Haunted. And we've just started to do TikTok as well, which is also under yes. I Think My Fridge Is Haunted, which Lana is taking care of because I don't understand TikTok. It's a lot. It's a lot to take on. Um, it, the youths, the youths, <laughs> the trying youths. to get cool it's just with the, the youths. Yes, no, no it's it's a lot of plural of, of youth is youth, y- youth, youth. No, maybe it's youths. I think youths is funny. <laughs> 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 Enough. Oh my god, we're having so much fun. <laughs> Take us out, Lana. Oh my god. Until then, everyone, be creepy, but don't be a creep. Bye. 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 Uh, I'm trying to make it with Wallaby. We're well, well, well aware. Well, where it doesn't work. Well aware. I don't well know. Well, well, jumping wolf. werewolf. <laughs> Slightly smaller werewolf. <laughs>